When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It's our normal Wednesday two-parter for you. It starts off with Mary Kay Ellis and I. We're going to redraft the 2018 NFL Draft in honor of Sam Darnold getting traded from the Jets to the Panthers. And then in the second half of the pod, Tim Bielek joins me to talk about this year's draft. We each go through our Browns-only mock drafts. Tim's went up on cleveland.com slash Browns on Tuesday. Mine was sent out to our Football Insider subscribers via newsletter on Saturday. If you aren't subscribed, you missed that one. And if you want to get those newsletters in your inbox, you got to check out Football Insider. Just head to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the details and to get yourself signed up. Okay, here we go. Our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Wednesday podcast, Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ellis Williams. We're going to talk about the 2021 draft in the back half of the podcast with Tim Bielek. But first, we're going to talk about the 2018 draft. So we're doing this because obviously Sam Darnold was traded to the Panthers on Monday. The number three overall pick goes for the, the best the best that the Jets got back was a second rounder next year. So we're going to look back at the 2018 draft and talk through it a little bit and sort of figure out maybe what teams should have done. Did they get it right? And maybe where some of these guys are going in the future. And let's just start right at the top. The Browns were the stars of this draft for multiple reasons. And the big reason Mary Kay was Baker Mayfield, number one overall. So here we are 2021 certainly have to feel really good about this pick now, but did the Browns pick the right guy there at number one? Well, you know, it sure seems like they are on track for having that be the right pick. Now you still have Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen out there uh, as, as two other guys that might prove to be more successful over their careers. But I think that's what it will come down to. I don't think we really know yet which one of those guys will go on to have uh, the better, more premier, longer career, make, maybe make more Pro Bowls, go to more Super Bowls. Uh, but at least they're in the mix. I mean, can you imagine? And I thought about this yesterday. Can you imagine if the Browns had taken Sam Darnold and it just didn't work out? If they had taken him number one overall, like many fans wanted them to do. And many experts expected them and wanted them to do as well. Could you imagine where fans, where everyone would be right now? I think uh, the fact that they've got Baker Mayfield right now, and he is where he's at in this Kevin Stefanski offense. Everybody's so excited about the future. The future looks bright. It looks like they are poised to contend for the next how many ever years. And who knows what can happen if everything goes as expected this year. Yeah, Ellis, it wasn't that long ago that, you started to wonder, uh-oh, did, did they did they mess this up? But it's, Baker certainly did the job in, in sort of saving this pick, I think, in the second half of this season and now the upside here. You know, that you can't definitively say, well, it should have been Josh Allen. It should have been Lamar Jackson. You can make those cases, but Baker Mayfield at least is going to have a say in this. Yeah, you combine his rookie season with the last 10 games of this past year, and it's safe to say that the Browns didn't get it wrong. Like to Mary Kay's point, there it remains to be seen the true ceilings of those three quarterbacks we have in question right now. But when it comes to where Baker lies within all of them, it's really in a way right back where we started. Like this is, becomes a traits conversation very quickly, and listeners know that's that's where I tend to land on this stuff. Um, if I had had opportunity to talk about this in 2018, it'd been fascinating to see you know. Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, where do you land? And then it seems like those two rise, but what the one variable that did change is both of those guys, Jackson and Allen improving as passers, especially Allen taking that leap this year. And then we'd say Lamar Jackson taking that leap, of course, in his MVP season a year ago, both have areas to improve in like anyone 
uh, still, you know, under the age of 25, 26, playing this position of quarterback. But when it comes to Baker, it was never his traits for the most part that was going to get him to where he needed to be. It was his functioning within an offense and operating quickly and cerebral enough to then allow his arm talent to win within the pocket. And that's exactly what we saw over these past 10 games. He became a, a decoder pre-snap. He came, became a processor post-snap. And then, as I've talked about before, his ability to decide when to take off, to then let his feet be advantageous to him, even though he's not a scrambling quarterback, it clearly became a thing that in his head he was processing and talking with Kevin's fancy, like, okay, now it's time to go. And when you do decide to go, you go. And that was an expansion of Baker's game that I didn't really anticipate. And I think it was a, a nice – addition to what he already does in the pocket. So where these three keep going and where they eventually land is something we'll probably talk about for another decade, but by no means can you say they got it wrong. And for Browns fans, you have to feel pretty comfortable at where you're at considering where the other two quarterbacks in this draft currently are. The other thing about this too, and maybe we'll have this discussion a little more when we get down a few picks, but I do wonder, I mean, it took the Browns a little while to figure out, hey, this is what Baker Mayfield should be running. This is the personnel that should be around Baker Mayfield. And it just makes me wonder, like, you can make the case for Lamar Jackson, but would they have actually built a team around Lamar Jackson that that fits what he can do like the Ravens did? Uh, I mean, the stability certainly wasn't there to do that. Would they have done the same? Look, Josh Allen took some time. Would everyone have been patient enough with Josh Allen here? you know, to, to get to the point where he was last year, at least with Baker, he was a guy that came in and was able to really hit the ground running because Ellis, you mentioned the thrower part of it. He's always been a good thrower of the football. We saw that at Oklahoma. And so I, I, he kind of bought himself a little time, I think with that rookie season. You know what? I think, um, you know, you guys make some great points with that. If you think about, okay, so what if the Browns would have picked Josh Allen, number one overall, would he have been able to develop the way that he did in the way that he has in Buffalo, where he's had consistency? He's had Brian Dayball there. He's had Ken, Ken Dorsey there. He's had Callie Brownson there. <laughs> but, what, you know, would he have been able uh, to improve his accuracy with all the craziness that went on in Cleveland in these first couple of years that Baker Mayfield had to do it, deal with. At least Baker did come in uh, not needing to tweak those throwing mechanics. Now he did work on his footwork last year, uh, but he came in with a really, really good and accurate arm. So he just needed to be put in, in the right system. He needed to be, he needed to have a good coach and all those things. Would Josh Allen have become Josh Allen here or would it have been a situation where all of a sudden, sudden you're looking at a Sam Darnold scenario where you're like, what do we do with this guy? You know, I mean, it, I think so much of the development of a quarterback has to do with the coach that he's with, the team that he's on. I mean, you could go all the way back to Pat Mahomes. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes had been drafted here in 2017 at number one overall, or if they had traded up to get him, would he have been able to step in right away and, and be able to be supported offensively the way that he was with Andy Reid? So that has a lot to do with how a quarterback is going to succeed. Would Sam Darnold be out of New York right now if he had had a better coach or a better supporting cast? Maybe he would still be there. You know, I mean, it's so hard to say it's, we always think that these guys exist in a vacuum, but they don't. They are a product of their environment. And now we can see the difference between a bad environment for Baker Mayfield last year. Everyone thought he was a bust last year, right? I mean, pretty much people thought Baker is a bust. Nobody really wanted to use those words per se because it was so early on. But there were enough people even nationally convinced that he was that. And even as you got into the first half of this season, it seemed like, okay, you know, he doesn't have what it takes. And then you get him in the right system with the right people and voila, he gets good. So I'm still interested to see how some of these other guys do down the road. Yeah, Mary Kay, it's a great point because w- what it tells me is that Baker Mayfield was the most pro-ready quarterback of that bunch. And that, again, goes back to 20- 2018 when he broke the rookie passing record as to what we saw. Imagining Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson – 
in Cleveland not being ready to survive with his, their arms and having to make the most of it with their legs. You trust those athletes, but they wouldn't have been, I, I have my doubts as to what you were alluding to, that they would have been allotted the time to regress as throwers the, ba- the way Baker was because they weren't ever the throwers Baker was to begin with. Mm-hmm. So now you're looking at Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen as just these athletes that can't throw because they would have had the 2019 bad habits that Baker trained himself to practice every day for a whole year under Freddie Kitchens. And what does that look like with Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? Perhaps it looks like them looking for different teams or they look like a a Sam Darnold situation or they're just not awarded the chance to come in in in, in year three and see where it goes, where Baker, his bad habits were so predicated on his decision-making after the snap that once he was paired with Kevin Stefanski, you could clean a lot of that up. When it comes to Lamar and Josh Allen, it seems to me that they landed in the, the perfect spots. You needed an organization like Baltimore to prop Lamar up, to humble themselves and build an offense around him. And then you went into detail what Buffalo was able to do. That was a long way of saying is of saying it seems like these three quarterbacks all landed where they were supposed to instead of being a, a Sam Darnold or a Josh Allen in this situation, which both those guys, especially in Rosen's situation, seems like it's over. And now Darnold is going to have a chance to have a little rebirth here. Let's be nice. Let's keep Baker number one. Let's move on to number two and let's start moving some of these quarterbacks around. (laughs) Saquon Barkley to the Giants at number two. It was a wild pick at the time. Saquon got, look, he got off to a great start in his career, had the ACL injury last year that kept him out. I want to see how he comes back because I do think this guy is one of the best running backs in football. But at number two, I mean, what should the Giants have done here? Should they should they have stuck with Saquon? Should they have taken one of these other guys? I, I mean, I could see Josh Allen in a Giants uniform. That, that fits, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. You've got to go, if we're redrafting here, you put uh, Josh Allen in there at number two. There was a time last season when Josh Allen was in the conversation for NFL MVP. He's gotten that good. He is, uh, when I talked to, again, when I talked to the PFF guys about why they had him ranked so low, they said, we just really underestimated his ability to move and run and make such a difference as a dual threat quarterback. We were too focused on the inaccuracy, uh, which I looked a lot at that inaccuracy before that draft to try to get a comfort level with what was going to happen with it, who was going to be dealing with it. I talked to his quarterbacks guru, Jordan Palmer, a long time about that. And I did end up with a comfort level that he was going to be able to become an accurate quarterback in the NFL. Cause I just so believed in what Jordan Palmer was telling me. I, he was so convincing about that. And, and then I tried to use my own eyes too, like I, like we all always do. And, uh, and at the senior bowl on the first day, he was just like spraying it all over the yard. I mean, like the ball didn't know where it was going. He didn't know where the ball was going. Nobody was safe in that, in that stadium. But then he just pulled it together. I mean, he just got it together and he was just on point thereafter. So you could see that it, that it could be there with the right coaching. And you knew that he had the discipline to try to pull it off. So I think uh, 100%, I would put Josh Allen at number two here to the Giants. Yeah, this exercise is already making me a little uncomfortable. Like, I don't (laughs) want to see Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson play for either of these New York teams coming up. Luckily, that is not the reality. So for the sake of the exercise, I will indulge and agree with Mary Kay that this is Josh Allen. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this would have paired Allen with Odell Beckham at least for a year there, right? Or And right. that was probably the, yeah, so the and injuries are one thing and who knows how much they end up playing together, but at least for in terms of the long ball, and it was a throw that not, Allen wasn't all that accurate with anyway until this year. But you know, if we're going back to a pre-draft scenario and you're trying to pin these players in a spot and way why it may work, you can make the case pretty easily that, oh, Josh Allen throwing to a, deep to a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. makes perfect sense. So this is where it gets interesting. And this is where it gets to the discussion we had earlier. And that's the Jets, because it should be Lamar Jackson, right? You can make the case Lamar Jackson should have gone number two or number one. So it should definitely be Lamar Jackson here. Number three, that terrifies me because I look, I don't know if Sam Darnold is just not good, or I don't know if Sam Darnold is just in a really terrible situation where they didn't adjust and build that thing around him. 
and there's been so much instability there. And I, I just envision this world where Lamar Jackson is sent out there to run 11 personnel on 80% of his snaps. And it's just an absolute disaster for him. And we're talking about a completely different player than we are right now, a guy that won the MVP. But that being said, it has to be Lamar Jackson here, right? And mm-hmm. just kind of cross your fingers and hope that the Jets see it the way the Ravens saw it. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta, you've got you got to put Lamar Jackson in here in a redo. There's no question about it. And I think the interesting thing about this exercise that we're doing and also the quarterback carousel that we're seeing going on in the NFL this offseason is we are going to find out before too long just how much a change of scenery is going to do for some of these quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, like Jared Goff, like Matthew Stafford, like Carson Wentz, your poster player there, Ellis. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're going to find out if it's environment or quarterback. And it's just a great question. And I keep making, I keep making the point whenever we talk about Carson Wentz, and I know obviously you guys, you and Doug have the, uh, the poster contest writing on it, which is fun. But whenever we talk about that, I do like to look back at last year for the example of look what everybody thought, look what everybody thought of Baker Mayfield. He looked tremendous as in the second half of his rookie season, he looked like there was no hope for him at times last season. He was marginal in the first half of this season. And then the lights come on and now everybody's talking about maybe the Browns are going to the Super Bowl this year. So I think it's fascinating to, to think about what if Lamar Jackson was with Adam Gase instead of in Baltimore and things like that. But just in sheer terms of where you should have gone, he was so undervalued. I mean, you had to have the vision and we know people that had the vision, right? I mean, Dan, we've talked, we talked to people, scouts and personnel people that really liked Lamar in that draft, right? Uh, yeah. And look, the interesting thing is the Ravens didn't take him with their first shot. Right. They, they waited. <laughs> and, Right. I, it was really interesting the way that all played out. You know, I know there were people that were scared Bill Belichick would end up with him, but yeah. he ended up going to the Ravens. So it, it had to come with that vision of what the offense looks like when you have Lamar Jackson in it. And that's again, why this jets thing is like, Ooh, I, I don't know because they didn't really do a lot to help out Sam Darnold. And I don't know if that's because of Darnold or because of the jets. Yeah. And to that same point, when it comes to how quickly these things change in the league and whether it is situation or just time or the player themselves, I stumbled upon a 2020 executive survey published in late July of last year. So right before training camp was going to start. And this story, uh, you know, surveyed a handful of NFL executives and came to a consensus of placing Carson Wentz as a, a tier two quarterback 11th in the league you know look how far we've come and now I'm, I'm placing Carson Wentz poster bets with <laughs> with with Doug because of this you know <laughs> that is the exact point in terms of how these quarterbacks age and how quickly things can change from year to year and how much I think situation just clearly has has a lot to do with this which and which is why I can make the case and when we do these roundtables we we tend to get into semantics or parameters of this and I could make the case that yes, of course, Lamar Jackson is the pick if we're doing this in hindsight and redrafting right now. But if we're going back to 2018 and still allotting these coaches with the privilege of hindsight, but they keep their head coaches as an Adam Gase stays there. I could see Adam Gase just picking Sam Donald again and running this back. I don't know if if Lamar was ever going to be the type of quarterback he'd want. So I, in a world I could say, you know what, Sam Donald going three, Though it worked out for no one, it was best for the entire league because it kept Lamar and Josh Allen out of there and the league's better for it. <laughs> okay, so now we get to what, another reason why the Browns were such a uh, such an important team in this draft. They had the number four pick as well. They took Denzel Ward, who of course would still be on our board. Saquon Barkley's on our board. Bradley Chubb is on our board. Quentin Nelson, Nick, uh, did I say Nick Chubb? If I didn't say Nick Chubb, I'll say it again. The Ward, it was really Denzel Ward and Bradley Chubb. That was kind of the debate. And John Dorsey chose to take Denzel Ward. He's made a Pro Bowl his rookie year. Health is really kind of the big question with with Denzel right now, I think. Bradley Chubb has been pretty good. Uh, He's really 
grown in Denver and he's become a really good football player, really good pass rusher. You kind of wonder how he would have looked uh, next to Miles Garrett. This is the discussion we always have, right? Pass rush versus coverage. But, you know, seven and a half sacks last year, had 12 sacks his rookie year, 20 and a half for his career. And I remember he only played four games in 2019 uh, because of injury. But in his two healthy seasons, he's combined for 19 and a half sacks in 2018 and 2020. Uh, made the Pro Bowl, I believe, this year as well. Yes, he did. So, did the Browns get it right going corner here? Or should they have taken Bradley Chubb? Or should they have gone a different direction, like a, a Quentin Nelson? I mean, I guess knowing what we know about now about this offensive line, you wouldn't maybe take a Quentin Nelson. But should they have gone a different direction here? Well, I wanted them to draft Bradley Chubb there, heading into that draft. That's who I think I put in one of our perfect draft, or whatever the case may be. So heading into it, you know, I always seem to have a bias towards pass rushers in case we haven't noticed that yet. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, at that time thought I, I was thinking pass rusher ahead of cornerback. And I don't even really know if I thought so much about Denzel Ward at number four there, you know, that almost seemed a little bit high for Denzel there. But uh, I remember they asked Greg Williams, what do you need? Well, you know, what do you want? And he needed the cornerback. So it was kind of up to him and, and, and he chose Denzel. Now, fortunately for the Browns, they ended up with a pro bowl cornerback. And as we've talked about before, he still needs to take his game up a notch, you know, a little bit, but uh, you know, he can still be that, you know, that shutdown corner. And I think we all agree that he'll be better this year when he's surrounded by a much better supporting cast. It was very challenging last year to have to kind of be on an Island. So I envision him getting better. I still think they couldn't have gone wrong with, with Bradley Chubb there. So I don't know if it would just come down to those two guys. There are some other pretty good first rounders here uh, that you could almost plug in there too. You know, I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick's a name I didn't bring up. Right. Uh, Just some more Bradley Chubb stats too, just beyond the sacks last year. He had 57 pressures, which was seventh in the league. And he had 39 hurries, which was also seventh in the league. So he, he was one of the best pass rushers in football last year. Yeah, and this secondary gets pretty bare quickly without Denzel Ward. So I think the, the secondary pick makes sense, and to Mary Kay's point, that Greg Williams at the time in this defense were in need of that. But I think the pick is either Minka Fitzpatrick or if you go down a little further, Jair Alexander of the, the Green Bay Packers, a, a corner who really came to his own these past two years, especially this past season. Compares to Denzel's size – weight wise, but he's a much thicker, more Denzel's physical, but it just they more of a thicker base and upper body to Jair than you have with Denzel. But the main thing is the, the games played. If you look at Alexander, he's, I think he played all 16 a year ago and 15 this year or, or reverse that. It's one of those two where we've, we, you know, it's a broken record on this pod. Denzel averages four missed games a year for whatever reason that is, what it is. If you can clean that up, then you have no problem with this pick. But in terms of defensive backs, he's probably the third best in his class right now. It, though Minka Fitzpatrick plays a very different position than Alexander and Ward. I understand that. The only thing that could skew this argument in terms of secondary is Mary Key's very key point that give Denzel some more players behind him and just in that secondary in general. And we may see a more consistent player. Alexander playing for a much better Green Bay Packer defense these past few years than what the Browns have had. What about Calvin Ridley at number four is another guy that we didn't really mention. If you just look at 2020 alone, 90 catches, 1,374 yards, nine touchdowns. He's a good one. Derwin James is on here too. Yeah. So there, you know, there, there are some nice players in this first round. So what are we doing here? Are, are we sticking with Denzel? Are we going Bradley Chubb? Are we reaching down and grabbing Minka or Derwin James or Calvin Ridley? This is a tough one. It feels, it feels just as tough as it was in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going right. to take a, I'm not going to take a receiver at four. I hear you. So I'm going to rule out Ridley. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of wanted Bradley Chubb back then. Maybe I should just stick with that. 
Yeah, I think it's Chubb or Chubb or Minka. And if you yeah. guys are both leaning Chubb, then all right. Let's Sorry, Denzel. Chubb. Sorry, Denzel. You don't get to come home. You gotta go someplace <laughs> else. Maybe, maybe you get to go to Denver, who's picking at number five and did take Bradley Chubb. But here's again where it's interesting. Sam Darnold is still on the board. Mm-hmm. Josh Rosen, of course, is still on the board, but they passed on Josh Rosen anyway. Do they go quarterback here? Or for me, do they go best available player who maybe is Quentin Nelson? You said it. This is the perfect spot for Darnold. This team is still looking for a quarterback in 2021. This was a spot that you thought maybe Darnold could land, and now you wonder, all right, if this is this Bridgewater, is this Garoppolo as the end of this quarterback carousel keeps winding down here. I think this is a perfect spot for, for Darnold in a, in a redraft and a, a spot that I could have seen him going to in a trade if it would have been Carolina first. You know what, you guys? There's still part of me that wonders if we shouldn't, shouldn't have put Minka at number four. I got to back up. I mean, two-time, right? Yeah. Two-time first-team All-Pro. And you kind of have to put All-Pros over Pro Bowls and things like that. Oh, of course. I mean, okay, that's, so are, are, that's a hell of we, a player. Are we going backwards and going Minka at number four? Yeah. I, liked, I liked Minka that year, too. I think yep. I wrote a little bit. I think you got to do that. Okay. I think you just got to do what's right. All right. Two time. Minka. You can't argue with that. Minka Fitzpatrick it is. Sam Darnold at five, Mary Kay to Denver. No, that's too no. high for me there. I'm sorry. Okay. No, because we don't even know if he's going to end up starting this year. I feel like that's a little too high. For what he's accomplished so far in his career, I, I got to knock him back a little bit. I think he falls down the board. I feel like that's a little too high. You guys are fine with that there? Do you don't think it's too high? I guess it depends if you think Sam Darnold can be saved, right? If you think that it was situ- more situation than Darnold. I, I'm, fine with, I'm fine with dropping him. I'm fine with dropping him because he won't get past number eight. So he's coming off the board soon. <laughs> Mary Kay's just overruling us all over the place. <laughs> no Sam Darnold here. Uh, who, are, who are we going with then? It can't be, I guess it could be Bradley Chubb again. Should it be just be Bradley Chubb again? It could be. Yeah. Yeah. That might be. Yeah. Let's make it easy. Let's just give Denver Bradley Chubb again. Nice job, Denver. You picked the right guy. (laughs) All right. Number six, Indianapolis. Is this still Quentin Nelson? But we're working with the hindsight now, of course, that Andrew Luck was going to retire. For me, I would, I like Quentin Nelson here a lot. So if we're keeping it chalk, I'm cool with that. The only other name I'm, I think I would consider here is Calvin Ridley it's a team that still is looking for that wide receiver. They just have never really had anything after T Y Hilton for the stats. Mary Kay read off uh, Ridley is one of the guys who will be next, you know, a top five mm-hmm. guy for the next five years to come. He's an absolute freak uh, overshadowed in a way by Julio who missed a lot of time this year, which is why you see the, the balloon in numbers and he's every bit legit number one wide receiver. He would make a whole lot of sense in Indy and I could see them grabbing an athlete like this this high. What about Saquon? Oh, I forgot he's fallen. I know. <laughs> he's such a tough one to place. I think you got to go. If you're going offensive weapon, I think you can make a case for Saquon. I think but. so too. And I think he's, I mean, remember he was universally regarded as the best player in that draft, you know, I mean, just from a pure talent standpoint. So I don't think we can let him far, fall too far. I wanted Saquon to fall to nine, right. but you're right. He, 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 would, he shouldn't fall that far. Oh, yeah, that that would have been good. <laughs> That one would have been good. Yeah, for sure. But oh, all right, we're going to give Saquon Barkley to the Indianapolis Colts. So congratulations to whoever they have playing quarterback in that scenario. Carson Wentz, congratulations. You get Saquon Barkley. All right, we're moving on to the Buffalo Bills, who, of course, took Josh Allen. Still lots of people on the board. Now, Buffalo still needs a quarterback. And now they're Buffalo's hurting a little bit because, remember, they traded out of the Patrick Mahomes pick. And in our scenario, not only did they trade out of the Patrick Mahomes pick, but they didn't get their quarterback at number seven. So the Buffalo Bills are in a little bit of trouble here. What are you doing if you're Buffalo? I mean, they, it almost feels like they've got to take a quarterback or something, right? I mean, they almost have to take Sam Darnold, don't they? Yeah, this, <laughs> we're going to do this to Bears fans again. This is, this is going to be tough. I think you could, I think you could wait a little bit still on, on Sam, because once again, he is a, a rebuild project now. 
nobody knows what he's going to be. We don't know if he's a bust or if he's going to turn into something. So I think even though they need one here, I, I think you could still get away with letting him slip at least another spot. Well, Phil's fans are not going to be happy. Then it's Quentin Nelson, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not, Quentin Nelson's got to go here at some point. Feels like a feels like a Bills pick, nasty inside interior lineman. Sean McDermott would like that, you know. All right, so Quentin Nelson goes to Buffalo. Still looking for a quarterback there. And now we go to the other team that did not draft Patrick Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> there are a few teams like that. The Chicago Bears. They took Roquan Smith, who's a good player. Still so much talent here on the board, though. Mitch Trubisky the year prior. At this point, you're still thinking he's your franchise quarterback. But again, with the, the benefit of hindsight, we know he's not. Mm-hmm. So which way are you going here for the Chicago Bears? I'm thinking, I'm thinking they go Calvin Ridley here. This is a team that needs all the offensive talent they can get. Uh, you think of their situation right now as a, a team that is confident in their defense but needs more explosive play on the outside, teaming him with Allen Robinson. You got Nagy calling the shots there. I think he would be able to keep Calvin Ridley going around as usual. And then at quarterback, they already keep trying to just figure out as they go. So that will be the plan continued. Yeah, I like that pick. I I like that there. I don't mind taking receivers high. I think a receiver can transform your offense. I think a a great receiver like that can make the difference between going to the playoffs or maybe even going to the Super Bowl. Uh, so I, I'm high on the position. I have no problem with him there. He's amazing. So Calvin Ridley to the Bears. See, this is a guy I kind of wish would have fallen to this spot. Number nine, San Francisco, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle, boring pick. What are we doing for the 49ers here at number nine? How about, here's a wild card for you. Actually, Ellis, you got something. I'll, I want to see if you're thinking what I'm thinking. Give Shanahan Nick Chubb. Just give him Nick Chubb and let him run exactly what he's running here and probably get more carries than he gets here. We're going to be quite honest about it. Nick Chubb all the way. That was exactly what popped into my head. Let's put Nick Chubb in this system and let him dominate in San Francisco. Now you're passing on some good. I mean, there's still really good players out here. Derwin James, we mentioned Jair Alexander, you know, Frank Ragnow's a center. I don't know if you're taking a center here. There's still really good players on the board. Darius Leonard is on the board. If you really scroll down this list, there's some guys, but yeah, it would be fun to see Nick Chubb. Well, not fun for Browns fans because they love having him here, but it would be fun to see Nick Chubb in that Kyle Shanahan system as a rookie. Okay. I'll let you guys have that because (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) dominate. Who are you going to put here? Conversation. But the only thing that I would say about this is that if Kyle Shanahan can plug in a Raheem Mostert and, and make him into what he did, I don't know that you need to go with a Nick Chubb this high. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not feeling that. I think I would go, if I were San Francisco, I would go with a really good defensive player here. So who do we have that's a really good defensive player? We still have Denzel on the board, don't we? Yeah, Denzel Ward is on the board. We kind of forgot about him when we moved him out of the Browns. Yeah, Denzel we can't Ward, forget about Derwin him. James. Yeah, Denzel, Derwin, uh, Jer Alexander, you're right. So we got to give them, I think, I just don't know that, that Kyle would need to draft Nick that high, knowing he could probably get him in the second round. So I, I don't know. Can I talk you guys out of that or not? What do you think, Ellis? I, again, I get, I get Mary Kay's point. Like, I don't think necessarily Kyle would make this pick, but in hindsight, Nick Chubb's not going in the second round in this redraft either. Right. So it's a, it's a spot to, to get a guy who, and for how much we've talked about Nick Chubb, like there is a difference between making a guy like most heard a, a yardage monster and then just having the yeah. home run hitting ability of Nick Chubb. So right. perhaps, perhaps Kyle okay. will see that. All right. No, I'll, I'll give you guys that. Let's do that. Let's put Nick Chubb in there. You're right. He, Nick has elevated himself uh, into a first round talent and Kyle would love him. And I do. That's a good spot. Let's put him there. Okay. So number 10, the Arizona Cardinals, a pick that ended up in hindsight, not being all that great. They moved on from Josh Rosen almost immediately. So where do the Cardinals go? Is this where Denzel goes? 
this, you know, again, one of those safeties out there, Jair Alexander. I mean, I guess Ellis, in your mind, if you think Alexander might be better, maybe you put him here, but are you, are you going with one of those defensive players here? Yeah, it's gotta be one of the defensive guys. And again, I think if you're going to split hairs here between Jair Alexander and Denzel Ward, I really like Mary Kay's argument that just give Denzel a, a, a more of a supporting cast and then see the type of corner he's going to be. And for that reason, and then you go back to how these guys were projected, uh, Denzel going as high as four, he's not going to fall out of the top 10 uh, because of the year he had a year ago or his sophomore campaign. He's going to be a top 10 guy in a redraft. So I think he has to go here. Yeah, I think so too. I think he was actually on his way to another Pro Bowl season this year uh, before he got hurt. He just seemed like he was locked in, locking it down and raring to have a really good season. And I thought that injury was a setback for him. And uh, I think he'll rebound from that. And, and hopefully, I know he does everything he possibly can uh, to, to try to get through those soft tissue injuries. I know he works so hard in the off season. So hopefully for his sake and for the Browns sake, he'll be able to stay healthy this year and put together another, another one of those Pro Bowl seasons. Okay, so there we go. Our, our top 10 picks of a 2018 redraft. Don't get mad at us. We were just kind of winging it out here. All right. And yeah, we forgot about a couple guys here and there, but we ended up with Baker still number one, Josh Allen, number two, Jackson, number three, Minka, number four, Bradley Chubb, number five, Saquon, number six, a lot of good first name guys here. So that tells you that we were doing a good job. Uh, <laughs> Saquon, number six, Quentin Nelson, number seven, Calvin Ridley, eighth, Nick Chubb, ninth. That's probably the surprise pick, but Come on, like Ellis and I said, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Chubb, and then Denzel Ward, 10th. But still a lot of good players on the board. This was a really good draft all around, not just for the quarterbacks, uh, but also for some of these defensive players. And even though we tried to get him in there, no Sam Darnold. No. Oh, Sam did fall out. He didn't. He he really, truthfully, he really didn't deserve to be up into the top 10 based on what he's done in the first three seasons of his career. But if you will notice three Browns players in the top 10, pretty remarkable. And here's another thing that I was thinking about when I look at the actual top 10 of this 2018 draft, four quarterbacks were taken and the success rate as of right now is 50% Four top 10 quarterbacks. Two of them are currently starters. One is in rebuild, save my career mode. One of them is a backup. So four top 10 quarterbacks, 50% hit rate there. Yeah, and on that same point, it seems like that's where we're headed this year with, you know, potentially four or five guys going in the first round. So keep that in mind if there's any listeners here listening who aren't Browns fans who are, want their other team to get a quarterback. It's it's a tough business. And I will say this, keep in mind, listeners, that all it takes is one draft to really change your team. The Baltimore Raven, Ravens select Lamar Jackson 32nd and then get tackle Orlando Brown in the third round at pick 83 And then three picks later, they land Mark Andrews, a tight end at 86. Three studs right there, and you find them later. So it all it really does take is one special class like this exercise showed us and the depth of it. And to nail those picks, you can change the trajectory of your team quite quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think the other lesson here, too, is if you're going to draft a quarterback, you've got to put him into the right situation in the right system you can't mm-hmm. just draft a quarterback and say all right you're our franchise guy let's go you've got to make sure that you're putting everything around him to make it work and make him successful especially in those early years so if you're drafting zach wilson new york jets you've got to put him in a situation where he can be successful and where he has a chance and you're not just kind of throwing him out there and say all right go go do something i, I think that's really one of the lessons from this draft as well and maybe patience <laughs> That we'll never have that, Dan. But I no, agree. no, no one will ever have patience in the NFL. That's what makes the league so much fun, I guess. But it certainly has paid off for a few of these guys. All right, uh, we've got Tim Bela coming up on the other side. We're going to talk about the 2021 draft after the break. Ellis and Mary Kay, thanks a lot. And now we bring on Tim Bielik to talk about the NFL draft. And Tim, uh, you put up your seven mount seven round Browns mock draft on cleveland.com slash Browns as we're recording this today on Tuesday. And on Saturday for our newsletter, I did a seven round mock draft for the Browns. So I figured let's go through what we came up with. Sounds good to me. All right. Let's start with number 26. Who did you have going number 26 to the Browns? 
I had Aziz Ojolari, the defensive end, Ed Rusher from Georgia going there. No surprise if you've been kind of following what I've been writing about for the past few weeks. I think Ojolari of the guys who I think are the fighting for the number two edge rusher spot behind Quidipe of Michigan. I said that I think Ojolari has the fewest questions. I look at a guy like Jalen Phils from Miami. There's a concussion history you have to worry about. Jason Owe, yeah, he put up incredible physical numbers at his pro day at Penn State, including a sub 4440 at 257 pounds, which is absolutely phenomenal. But he didn't have a sack in 2020, and he was blocked by some veterans, including Etor Grossmatos in 2019. So there are some production questions. And then Gregory Rousseau of Miami, he really only had the one season. Granted, it was an awesome season with 15 and a half sacks, didn't play in 2020. Tested fine at his pro day, but not great, especially in the agility, which I kind of worries me just a little bit because I kind of want my edge rushers to have a little bit of movement where it's not straight ahead, where they can go around, the make that turn around the corner because you need those guys to move. And I think Ojolari, to me, he does have questions. I think that it's fair to say that, you know, there's questions how he fits in your typical 4-3 base because he measured in at his pro date only about 248 pounds. Maybe he can add a few more pounds, but I think, again, that's kind of semantics. When you look at what he does, he's a fast player who plays surprisingly physical. I love his motor. And he's got some technical things that need to be worked on. And I think of the other guys, those weaknesses are the things that I think can be most fixed in the NFL. One, by getting into a professional weight program, and two, by just being around professional coaches and being around a guy like Miles Garrett, who obviously has that power combined with certain tech, all those technical abilities too, he can help his ease out a little bit. Okay, so the guy I went with, and just so everybody knows, the way I did this was I pulled up one of those uh, mock draft simulators. I use PFF's mock draft sim to kind of walk me through you know, who might be there and who might be available. And the guy who was available, and there's some risk in this pick at number 26, was Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. Now, the reason he would be available at 26 would, of course, be the back issue. And there's there's questions about his health because of that. But he is sort of the big corner that I'm looking for. I was really hoping J.C. Horn would be there. Uh, but in this simulation, he ended up going number 20 to the Bears. And when Farley was there, I thought, you know what, this might be a risk worth taking because I think if that back issue weren't there, there's no chance that he's not that he's there at 26. And there might not he might not be there at 26 in real life. Of course. I mean, I thought Farley's kind of 1A, 1B with Patrick Sertan from Alabama. Now I get why he's falling. I get that the back thing, you know, when you you say back surgery for a draft age prospect, draft age player, of course you're gonna worry about it. But I think it's far enough out and Apparently, based on things that you read out there, it's not a significant back surgery, just a smaller one. It just comes at a bad time. If it happens in if it happened in June or July, he's still a top ten pick. It's because it's happening in April that's going to knock him down the boards. That said, if he makes it to twenty six, that is an absolute steal because you're getting a top ten player for twenty sixth pick money. And in the world of where the salary cap went down. This year is not going to probably be as high next year either. That is that is just remarkable value for a guy who's got top 10, easy top 10 talent. And I've said it before, a guy you can have size to play opposite Denzel Ward and really have a great compliment in that secondary. The other guy that was here too that I think is more realistic, I've seen mocked to the Browns, was Greg Newsom from Northwestern. Uh, I, I, was, I was thinking corner here when I went uh, at number 26. All right, let's move on. Who did you have at number 59? 59, I went receiver. Now, the crux of what I wrote was where Andrew Berry should take a receiver. I know this kind of been the hot topic we've kind of written about. Ellis wrote about receivers. Mary Kay had an insider text about it as well when it comes to thinking about receivers. I went second round because I don't know if Jadavian Clowney Will be Brown. If he is, then maybe it opens up for first round. But I went second round and I went Diami Brown from North Carolina. Now, this is a tough call because I there are some good receivers here. I know Elijah Moore from Ole Miss is a popular choice. I like him a lot, but I went with Brown because I feel like he's got he's got more of a, a more versatile build at about six foot 185 pounds. You could play him outside, you could play him inside. And the thing I love 
he just produces. When you look at it, the last two seasons, 20-plus yards per catch in both 2019 and 2020. He was play, He's playing with a great quarterback in Sam Howell. He should be – he could be the first quarterback taken in 2022. But when you, when you watch Brown, he is outstanding deep down the field. He can make some moves. He's got a little route stuff to work on, but, again, that's stuff you can work on at the pro level. He's got good speed, maybe not top-end speed, but four, four, in the four fours in his pro day, so more than fast enough. And I think if you're looking for a deep ball weapon to help out Baker Mayfield and maybe a guy that you can kind of have as your heir apparent to either Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry, this is a guy I look at. Okay, so my second-round pick is a guy we've talked about on this pod before. Uh, I went edge rusher here, and this is a guy who – I know you mentioned him on the Sports for Cleese show. I know we've talked about him on this pod. Peyton Turner out of Houston at number 59. You know, as of right now, he's probably a late second, early third round pick, somewhere in that range. And if he fell to the Browns there, that would be good. Now, his pro day is Friday, I believe. I think that's Houston's pro day. So, you know, we'll get a few answers on him. But big, versatile guy, can play inside and outside. I think he kind of fits what the Browns want at that position. And, you know, because you've added Tack McKinley there, you know, we're, we're waiting on Jadavian Clowney, all of that stuff. If he, if he needs a little time, I think there's time for him to develop and, and grow into that role, especially if you see him as more of an inside guy, maybe down the road, because you have a lot of depth of their inside. I agree. I mean, I, I do kind of maybe second late second round is a little early for me, but I look at Turner. It makes a lot of sense. Cause I think you can go edge rusher in the second round if he's there if you don't go on the first, because I just, again, you said it, his versatility is something that appeals to me. And based on the moves the Browns have made in this offseason, they're all about versatility. They, they seem to want guys who can do multiple different things. Peyton Turner looks like a guy who could be just that. Okay, let's move on here. Who did you have at 89? I went with the Canadian Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota. He, he should His name should be familiar Two Ohio State fans, he was once committed to Michigan, then transferred to Minnesota. Uh, this is a guy who I think is kind of an upside pick. 6'3", 205 pounds, got some rawness to him. But what I – he didn't have an interception at all in college, but in 2019 when Minnesota had its best season, when they were one win away from the Big Ten title game, 10 pass breakups. And he's a guy who's got size, maybe not the fastest, but at his pro day – tremendous agility i look at the three cone time was it was just outstanding i don't have the number right in front of me but when i see a guy who who puts up a tremendous time like that i see a guy who can move and make and make quick transitions i think that's just as important for a corner is not necessarily just straight line speed a guy who can change directions and saint juice is a guy that may need a little work but he is interesting and i think he's worth an upside pick in that spot Okay, I went with a little bit of an upside pick here at 89. I went with a linebacker. Uh, I went with uh, Jameen Davis out of Kentucky. Now, the Browns went SEC linebacker in the third round last year, uh, that this would be another shot at at that. You know, I think he kind of fits a little bit. Again, sort of like Peyton Turner, I think he fits a little bit of what the Browns are looking for at that position. Yeah, I look at Davis. If he's somehow there at 89, that is an absolute steal of a pick. I think he's... He certainly looks like he should go much earlier in day two, probably even at the tail end of day one, just because he has a lot of athletic tools to work with. Maybe still needs a little development, but as we'll talk about with the next guy I have picked, you can get by with athleticism. You can work with that right away and then build on that with different technical things that can be adopted in practice and in film study. Sounds to me like PFF was being very nice to me with the players that they uh, they had available to me as I was going <laughs> through this. All right, who did you have at 91? I went linebacker, but I went back to the ACC. I went with Chas Surratt from North Carolina. This is a former quarterback who moved over to linebacker, so it was a little raw at the position. He's only really played two seasons, but been very good at those two seasons. He tested extremely well athletically. You look at his numbers from 2020, 91 tackles, six sacks, seven and a half tackles for a loss of pick three pass breakups. He's pretty good in coverage and where he, I think lacks kind of in positional, you know, strength where he is as far as recognition, the experience playing linebacker, he makes up for with instincts. Like of course, being a quarterback, you have to have good football IQ playing the position, moving over to linebacker. It seems like it's translated pretty well. 
And I kind of like, I like the idea of falling kind of up on what you said about the third round linebacker. It's not a bad idea to go in that direction. And with Surratt, I think you have a guy who's got potential to be more of a coverage linebacker than the run stopper linebackers they have. Because you look at the linebacker position, the guy you really outside of Malcolm Smith, they need another guy who can cover at that position. Okay. So in this spot, you know, I'm kind of to a point where there's just too many picks for this football team. And I wasn't entirely sure where to go. I'll, I'll give you a spoiler here. I do have some trades in here, but I went ahead and went with another cornerback because this is a guy that, again, you know, he's a guy I would look at maybe at the end of the second round, if he was there, Tay Gowan out of UFC, again, another long guy, good speed, adds depth at a position where I think the Browns want a lot of depth. They, they need guys that can play outside. They need some guys that can slide inside a little bit too. You're not picking this guy to start. And of course, in, in this mock draft, I haven't picking a corner in the first round. So it'd be a little strange to pick another corner, but if this is just, listen, this is your second pick and third and three picks. It's kind of an extra. It's kind of a bonus pick in a lot of ways. If you can add some depth at corner, I would do it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's not like central Florida has been devoid of having corners. I'm just looking at their draft history. I mean, this is school that produced a first round pick in Mike Hughes. They had Shaquille Griffin, who obviously, you know, he's done really well. He just got paid big money to go to the, go to the Jaguars. So they have a recent history of producing some good corners. And sounds to me it's a little similar to Benjamin St. Juice, the guy that um, can – you can take him almost as an upside pick. And with where the Browns are, I think they can afford probably to take some of those risks. If they can't trade those picks for whatever reason, maybe you get some guys that you want to just kind of bank on as guys that you just kind of work in slowly, you develop. And with where they are, you don't really have to have pressure on them to get to the field because that's that's usually what the good teams do. They, they You don't usually see the third-round picks, their fourth-round picks outside of rotational duty for the first year. And then as they develop, then you, you hope that they can become something. Okay, on to pick 110. What did you do here? I went offensive line. I think this is kind of one of my rules of the of a draft is – Pick an offensive lineman. I don't think it doesn't matter how good your offensive line is, how bad it is. As we learn in the postseason with the Jedrick Wills injury against Kansas City, as we learn with what happened to the Chiefs offensive line in the playoffs and ultimately in the Super Bowl, you can't have too many good offensive linemen. And the Browns took a backup interior lineman last year, Nick Harris. You still have Drew Forbes that you drafted in 2019, who should be back on the roster in 2021. Maybe he'll compete for some kind of as that third guard. I went for a tackle in this case. I went for Robert Hainsey out of Notre Dame. He's a smaller guy, 6'4", 290 pounds, moves pretty well. And I think with tackle, with the way they want to run the zone blocking team, I, I look at a guy who can move. You know, maybe not big, but a guy who's got mobility, some athleticism. I think Hainsey could do that. He does need to put on some weight, but I, again, fourth round pick, you're not expecting a guy to come in and play right away. You're looking for developmental Maybe kind of hopefully he's your swing tackle. Maybe he can maybe he can someday even be a Jack Conklin replacement. I know we don't want to think that far down the road because Conklin still has a couple more years left on his deal. But Hainsey's a guy that really kind of sticks out to me as far as, you know, developmental tackle prospects go. All right. Well, I traded down. I didn't make this pick. I, I traded down with, uh, let's see, who did, who did they give me for this? Uh, I traded down with Arizona. I picked up a pick next year and I moved down to, to 160. So that's what I did here. So what did you do at 132? I went with the interior of the defensive line, Bobby Brown, the third from Texas A&M. This was a former highly touted prospect. This is a guy who has got a gr- very good frame for a tackle. He's 6'4", 325 pounds, very explosive player who I think is growing into the position. It seems like he, by the reports, he lost some weight, which, really helped him produce. And Texas A&M was a team that was competing for a spot in the college football playoff. Brown had plenty to do with it. And the Browns obviously losing Larry Ogunjobi with Sheldon Richardson being a year from unrestricted free agency, Andrew Billings being on a one-year deal coming back. You're looking for more depth in the middle of that defensive line. And Brown is also a young guy. I think he will turn 21 in August. So he's a guy that you can draft that's got – that's got plenty of upside. He could probably play rotationally, maybe 
hopefully kind of what Jordan Elliott did this year. And then hope that, you know, as he gets older, he physically matures a little more that maybe you have a little something there. I went with wide receiver here. This is sort of a, this is a strange one. So you Google this guy, you get a video that calls, calls him the shiftiest player in college football. Uh, there's another story that says he might be the best group of five receiver in this NFL draft. I went with Jalen Darden out of North Texas. He's small. He's five foot eight, 174. Uh, now here's what Lance Zerline wrote about him on NFL.com. He has wiggle and juice to pile on yards after the catch, which I think is something the Browns love. And the Browns have plenty of time to, with their receiver room the way it is. They have plenty of time to get him in the weight room and get him ready to be an extra receiver for them down the road. I just kind of liked the upside here. I liked the speed. I liked the ability here with a fourth round pick. Cause I'm with you. I think at some point they're going to take wide receiver. I, I kind of think it's more of a day three thing, but I think they're going to add to that room. Yeah. And Darden's a guy I really like, you know, when it comes to day three prospects, he stood out to me. Speed is obviously essential, but I've kind of been torn on where I would think is more important for receiver. A guy who's a pure speed guy versus a guy who's got some wiggle and who can win on one-on-one and Jalen Darden, that description sounds like kind of the best of both worlds. I know he's got, you know, a little height thing. He's never going to be, you know, a physical specimen because he's only five foot eight, but you kind of hope there's some durability there that maybe he could be a slot guy who you could really do a lot of creative things with, but to have a guy that can win in space. That was the, that's the big, always the phrase in California guys that can win in space guys that can win one-on-one because ultimately that's what pass coverage is right now. It's one-on-ones. And if you have a guy that could do that, that, really gives you a whole bunch of more options on offense. So Darden to me sounds like a really fun fit and really intriguing if they decide to wait until Saturday to address the position. All right. I'm, I'm going to jump in here because like I said, I traded down and I picked up pick number 160 in that trade town. And I trade down and I took a safety. I took Christian up off out of Illinois state. I've taken a lot of smaller school guys here, which maybe they, they went with some bigger school guys last year. Uh, but again, this is a, a guy, you like the size, you like the ability, you like some of the versatility. You know, this is a guy who PFF ranked 107th overall in their draft guide, which is something I always kind of look at uh, as I go along trying to figure out where the Browns might go. And this is pick 160. So I, I would take this. He, he graded out at 81.2 in 2019 from Illinois State. So this is a guy, I, I believe he didn't play last year, uh, but you know, add a, add a little safety depth there. I, I think that's a position the Browns have addressed and filled pretty well, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they added a safety in this draft. Yeah, me neither. I'll get into my safety, but I just looked up his frame, 6'3", 213 pounds. Lane Zerline, I'm just reading a comparison. Chris Conti, you know, he's a guy who started several years in the league. So if you're getting a guy who can start a few seasons in the league, not a bad way to go. And maybe with the frame, maybe he's a guy you slide into Kind of that big nickel, heavy nickel defense, it sounds like the Browns want to try to do. And you, maybe you can have him kind of at, you know, obviously back up Ronnie Harrison. Maybe he's your special teams ace for a year or two. And I'm probably going to say the same thing about the guy that I've got them taking. Well, let's get right to it because that's who you've got at 169. One of my favorite day three players in this entire draft, Divine Diablo from Virginia Tech. And when I say these things, it's going to sound a lot like Cam Chancellor, and that those comparables make sense when you look at his size. Six foot three, 226 pounds. Very similar in size to Cam Chancellor, who was also a fifth-round pick. Similar range way back in his draft, and we know just how much he meant to that Seahawks defense. I love how well he plays downhill. He's very good in coverage as well. I think he's the guy that you can kind of have as that linebacker safety hybrid and really do both those things well kind of adds that depth I was talking about with Uphoff. I see it in a in more of a physical presence with Divine Diablo. Maybe to me, he's a guy that should be drafted earlier than the fifth round. But if he's there and, and the Browns take him, I think he could be a guy Browns fans are going to fall in love with. Well, I traded pick number 169 because I could never be an NFL GM. And at this point, just it's too many players. So I just, I just punted on pick number one, 169 and took one from next year. So let's move ahead now to pick number 211. Yeah, I went with a former five-star, Josh Kando from Florida State. He's an edge rusher. Um, I think at this point in the draft, you're just looking for 
projects. You're looking for guys you're banking on with high upside. We saw that with Donovan Peoples-Jones a year ago, and obviously he's already panned out better than a vast majority of six-round picks. So that's I'd already call that a win right now for the Browns to get any sort of production out of that. But I look at Kando. He's a guy that started out pretty well, seven sacks in his first two seasons. He only played 10 games in his last two seasons, but had a very good pro day. So maybe he's a guy you take a flyer on late and see if you can get something out of that. So at 211, this is where I went offensive line. I took Sedarius Hutcherson out of uh, South Carolina, a guard. And this is how PFF describes him. Truly freaky explosiveness for a guard, but still not close to ready from a technical standpoint, which sounds a lot to me like another guy the Browns have that they acquired in a trade from Buffalo in Wyatt Teller. Explosive, a good athlete, needed some technical work. Bill Callahan got him in the building, got him right. He had one of the best seasons as a run blocker for a guard uh, in the NFL. This guy sounds like a project for Bill Callahan, and the Browns have room in that offensive line room to bring in a project. If they love that athleticism and think he can be that type of guard down the road, it's it's worth a sixth-round pick to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you trust your coaches, that's the kind of player you take a gamble on. See if they can get something out of him there. All right, what did you do with the last pick? I went with Grant Stewart, a linebacker out of Houston. I just kind of looked at him as where I think the other place you go with a seventh round pick is you either go for the, the athletic freaks of nature who are very raw, or you go for the guys that are special teamers, but guys who could be stars in their role. And I think Grant Stewart is that fits into category number two. Maybe he's nothing more than a special teamer because he's a guy who's a downhill player, has some physicality. He's not a big linebacker, six one two twenty five pounds, but I could see him potentially being a good guy on kickoff coverage. And when you're a good team, you're, you're not looking for 53 stars. You're looking for guys, I think, who can star in roles. And if he makes the team, he makes it on special teams as, as one of your main kickoff guys to really go out there and try and bring a guy down. So I look at that, again, super low risk. This is the third to last pick of the draft. So if you even get a guy who makes the roster, has any sort of impact, you're getting some, you're getting a little something out of that. Okay, and I went with uh, Kobe Whiteside, a defensive tackle out of Missouri. It was a position I hadn't addressed yet. The Browns went defensive tackle out of Missouri last year too. Uh, you know, I didn't love this pick necessarily. I, I was down near the end. There weren't a ton of guys there. You're just sort of looking to add depth, looking to add special teamers, looking to add guys that maybe can help you down the road. Uh, so that's the direction I went there. Okay, so Tim, before we let you go, you had a little. Pet peeve here with the draft. I'm, I'm coming up with one too, but I want to hear yours. All right. Well, I started this with Ellis a few weeks ago. I talked about how much, how, how annoyed I was when people talk about draft stuff. All we ever want to hear is player A can't do X or player B can't do this or whatever. One, I think we need to start talking about more of what players can do, but this comes down to number one, the first overall pick in particular, not so much. I'm not talking Trevor Lawrence. I'm not talking like, what the Jacksonville Jaguars will do with the pick. I'm talking like, look, we've known since about July that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the first pick in this draft. This is almost a plea to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't take all 10 minutes to make the pick. <laughs> just make the pick. Almost ten, just send the phone call into Roger Goodell or whoever's in the back at the draft stage in Cleveland say, we're taking Trevor Lawrence click and just let's move on with it. Like, the last couple of years, the number one pick hasn't been suspense. In 2018, okay, maybe I understand taking a little bit of time with it because we didn't know until maybe a couple hours before that it was going to be Baker Mayfield. 2019, we knew since the combine it was going to be Kyler Murray. They still took almost the entire time. 2020, we knew since November that Joe Burrow was going to be the number one pick. They still took almost the entire time. Do we really need to do this yet again? As, like We've got other things to do. We've got a much more interesting draft after number one. So let's move it on. And you can make the argument a GM's doing his due diligence or whatever, but let me ask you this. Is there any trade package in the world you would accept if you had a chance to trade, trade Trevor Lawrence? I think it's a pretty simple answer. No, of course not. And, exactly. and gone are the days when we used to have these contracts done like a week ahead of time. And so like the guy was practically signed before he was even drafted. So yeah, I'm with you. Just, just turn in the card. We don't need all the drama. Yeah. Day one's long enough. You got all the reporters and everybody coming to the draft. Everyone wants to get some sleep. Every, every extra few minutes helps. So like, so let's get, 
going. Just make it snappy. Let's get to the Jets at number two, and let's get this thing started. Let's not waste more time talking about Trevor Lawrence. We can spend an hour before talking about that if we have to. You know, speaking of long days, can we just do something to speed up Saturday? That's just the worst day of the draft. I don't know who... I don't know who like willingly sits and watches the draft all day on Saturday, especially if it's like, like if you're in Northeast Ohio and I know football hotbed, everybody loves the Browns, but if you're in Northeast Ohio and it's a Saturday and it's 70 degrees and sunny outside, are you really sitting inside and watching the draft from noon till six o'clock? Let's just, let's figure out a way to speed things up a little bit. And maybe that's just me being selfish because I have to sit inside and watch the draft on that 70 degree and, and sunny Saturday you know, come on. It's so gimmicky. They have guys doing picks from Cedar point. They don't even talk about all the picks. They just kind of gloss over a bunch of them. Let's, let's get that third day moving. Let's make it a crisp, like, I don't know. Let's, let's get it down to like four hours. I bet they could figure out how to do it. Pace of play. You're saying you didn't like when the Colts had that uh, one animal at the zoo press tap on the screen to tell you who the pick was. Well, I'm not going to say that I hated it, but I'm also not going to say that I wouldn't have, that I would have watched it if I didn't have to. Well, you and Mike Mayock would have been in the same boat on that one. Because I remember <laughs> right. he absolutely hated it. All right. That'll do it for uh, this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast and check out Football Insider. Uh, Tim had mentioned our texts a little earlier. I mentioned that my uh, Browns only mock draft went out to our subscribers via newsletter. If you want to get involved in that, you go to cleveland.com slash Browns. There's a blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. All right, Tim, thanks for the time. You got it.